Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. Welcome to the WAC Podcast, Eric Danner and Chris Thompson filling in for Rachel Vigil this week. Chris is our assistant commissioner for media relations and will be at the WAC Baseball Tournament this week, as will I and as will Rachel as well. But uh, Chris, uh, very thrilled to have you on the show this week, and especially since this was the last week of regular season baseball. And I know I've only been in the conference for about four or five years, but about as exciting a week of WAC Baseball as I can remember. Yeah, uh, really glad to get a call from the bullpen here this week to <laughs> fill in for uh, Rachel. Uh, you know, I, I have to give a shout out to uh, Dave Chaffin here in our office on setting up a, a fantastic baseball schedule. We had four series on the books and and all four of them meant something for seating. You had uh, Grand Canyon and CBU playing for the top spot. You had Sac State, UTRGV playing for that number two seed and a bye. Uh, you had Seattle U and Utah Valley playing to get into the tournament and Northern Colorado and Dixie State playing as well uh, with Northern Colorado trying to get in. So um, very, very exciting few days of baseball. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this week down in Mesa. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. I mean, if you would have drawn out the schedule, you probably wouldn't have changed anything on that. So yeah, shout out to no. Dave Chaffin on that. But yeah, that first one you talked about, Chris, Grand Canyon and California Baptist, uh, they were, you know, going at it for the regular season championship and they come away with a co-regular season championship, which probably, I guess, is apropos because these were the two best teams in the league all, all season long. Yeah, I mean, it was really a back and forth series. As you're watching it, when you think Grand Canyon has the advantage, you know, California Baptist comes roaring back. When you think California Baptist is on a roll, Grand Canyon gets in there and stops it. Uh, you know, it, it's a bit unfortunate that we don't get to see what the Lancers are going to do in the tournament here. Um, but they get to play UC Riverside at home. So there's kind of a battle of Riverside uh, going on in California this weekend while Grand Canyon tries to uh, win the tournament as the number one seed with a bye and, and playing in front of friends and family uh, there, there in Mesa. Um, so just, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great series, and it, and it was just one of those things that, um, you know, I, they both deserve to win. So kind of the co-championship thing, I think, uh, really is best there. Um, it, it's two teams that both deserve to have that WAC champion title next to them. And maybe that's the good thing that came out of these four-game series that we've had this year is it was an opportunity for them to split that and share that title. The California Baptists, this was only their third year in the WAC. And, of course, last year, you know, the season was interrupted by COVID, so we didn't get to crown a champion. First year they were in the league, they get one of those co-championships again. So the two years they've been in, uh, transitioning from Division Two, they have gone on to uh, win the WAC championship or share the WAC championship, which really shows you the job they're doing in Riverside. And you look at uh, Dixie State and Tarleton that both came in this year as well, and they both had pretty nice seasons, Chris. And it, it, uh, it bodes uh, well for the future of WAC baseball. It, it bodes well for the future of WAC baseball, and let's not forget some of those new schools that are coming in for WAC baseball. Uh, this is going to be a league that in, in two to three years, I think you're going to really be looking at as, as a uh, one of the top mid-major leagues, if not the top mid-major league in the country. And, and uh, the potential for multiple teams in the NCAA tournament is not going to be a dream. It's going to be something that, that's very worth discussion, especially in May. Well, with GCU getting the, the top seed, Sacramento State coming in with the number two seed. Reggie Christensen has won many WAC championships, many WAC tournaments, and some of them with 
players on this team, Chris, I, they, I believe they're called super seniors. The guys that were seniors who came back and the Hornets uh, have quite a few of them and, and they're uh, all atop the leaderboards uh, across the WAC in various t- statistical categories. Yeah. You know, in men's basketball around the tournament, we talk about uh, Aggie Vegas and, and how New Mexico state comes in and, and how well they played Orleans arena. I think there's something about, you know, Wacramento or something down in Mesa. I'm not sure what it would be called, uh, but I think if you gave Reggie Christensen the opportunity to play all his games down at uh, Hocum Stadium, um, he'd be happy to do it. He'd have to share with uh, his Northern California neighbors, the A's there for a little bit towards the beginning of the season. But, uh, you know, the Hornets play amazing. In 2019, they lose their first game to Utah Valley. You think they're out. Oh, by the way, they're going to go win six straight in a row. They're going to need everybody else in the tournament. They're going to become the first team to win six in a row at the WAC tournament. And they're going to get a win in the NCAA tournament uh, against the talented UC Santa Barbara team the next week. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, there's a lot of those players back. Scott Randall on the mound. Uh, you have Matt Smith out there in the outfield and designated hitter. Keith Torres, Dawson Bacho. There's, there's too many guys to even name. Um, and that's a team that's, that's very, very dangerous when it comes to the WAC tournament time in Mesa. And, and uh, I know if I was a baseball coach, I wouldn't want to look over and see Reggie Christensen in that dugout there uh, in Mesa because he just it's, – it's just magic. I don't know how he does it, but um, the, the way that he's able to manage his team uh, in the WAC tournament is, is amazing and it's really fun to watch. And they take three out of four against UTRGB, get the number two spot, so they get a bye on the first day. We'll be starting on Wednesday. UTRGV slides into that three spot. They'll be playing Utah Valley in our first uh, matchup at 2 o'clock Pacific time on Wednesday. Uh, UTRGV, they're a team that can get hot as well. They do. They have some good players. They have good bats. And and I think they might have one of the uh, most underrated pitching staffs uh, in the league. They have Kevin Stevens and Max Balderrama Jr., uh, there's a couple other guys there that that are very very strong that maybe don't quite get the attention uh, that you hear from some of the other staffs uh, Scott Randall Pearson all uh, the, the tremendous pitching staff at CBU and and um, uh, you know some of some of those pitchers UTRGV is a good baseball team and and um, it, it's kind of hard to believe that they're looking for their first win in WAC tournament uh, play as a program. Um, but if there's any year for them to do it, I think that coach Derek Matlock's going to have them ready to roll this week. Yeah, that is a hard stat to believe that they have not won a game in the WAC tournament, but yeah, as you mentioned, Derek Matlock will be looking to change that. It came down to the wire between Seattle, Northern Colorado, Utah Valley, three teams for two spots. Seattle plays really well. The last weekend, they secure the five seed. And then it's Utah Valley coming in as the number six seed there, Chris. And these two teams, we, we talk, uh, we're going to talk with Michael Potter in our next segment about that a little bit. But uh, it seems like everybody has a good Friday night guy. That's what they always say in baseball. And if you get good pitching and a good performance, uh, you, you could see some upsets in the tournament. Yeah, I think you could. And I think one of the other things, in, in addition to having that Friday night guy that, that's going to uh, maybe change the way that the tournament's looked at this year is uh, the experience that these teams have in double headers. Um, obviously, if you find yourself, especially in the losers bracket on on Friday and Saturday, you have the potential of looking at some uh, two games back to back. And you have some teams that maybe aren't quite as used to playing those double headers. And, and you have some coaches that maybe aren't quite used to uh, managing their bullpens and their pitching staffs and their lineups for doubleheaders that have had a lot more experience with that this year. Uh, so, you know, baseball, it's, it's, 
the the great American philosopher Herm Edwards said that's what you know that's why you play the games, um, and so you know you could look at all the standings and you can look at at how folks have done over the year and where the seeds are at, but you know they they play the games for a reason, and and I think anybody has an opportunity to get a win here or there. Now, it takes a lot to keep getting those wins and win the tournament, but um, in, in terms of of shocking somebody, it it it's happened before and it's going to happen again, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens this year. Well, Herm Edwards isn't too far away there at Arizona State. Maybe he could uh, pop in and give us some uh, advice. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. <laughs> uh, softball uh, wrapped up this week. Seattle U was the WAC representative after winning the WAC tournament the week before. They get to stay at home, if you will, as the University of Washington hosted the regional. They matched up against Michigan in their first game and gave the uh, Wolverines really all they could handle, falling a two to nothing, come back, win against Portland State six to five. Second time Seattle U's gotten a win in the NCAA tournament and then have to match up against the host uh, Washington, who uh, uh, beat them eight to nothing in, in that final game there. But a great season for Jeff Hirai and the Seattle Redhawks. And always, uh, you know, kind of an underrated uh, big deal, if you will, uh, winning a game in the NCAA tournament. You know, it's huge. I, I, I think it means a lot. It means a lot for programs and recruiting and, and just for pride, uh, pride here at the WAC in terms of just getting a win. And uh, that was a really tough regional for the Red Hawks to be in. Obviously, it's it's always tough when they have to go over and play Washington, a team that they get to play every year. They know very well. The players have grown up playing each other. But um, I believe the ESPN commentators called it the, the regional of discontent. You had Michigan, who won the Big Ten regular season title, but they weren't able to play any non-conference games, uh, so their RPI wasn't quite as high. You had Washington, who took second in the Pac-12, felt a little disrespected uh, in, in earning a 16th seed, which I'd love to be in a situation where I feel disrespected getting the 16th seed. Hopefully, we'll get there someday. Um, but, you know, really tough for, for CLU to go in. So for them to get a win over Portland State, um, it, it's big for the program. It's big for the WAC. And, and uh, I, I think it's something for the Red Hawks really to be proud of. Outdoor track and field uh, this week will be the prelims, as they're calling them. Uh, I think they used to call them the regionals, if I'm not mistaken, Chris. And, and we'll have some athletes uh, participating at Texas A&M. Yeah, we have 24 athletes headed down in 28 events. Um, Ethan Harris out of Grand Canyon, a tremendous high jumper. Uh, he's seated second. He's already qualified for the U.S. Olympic trials, um, which will be at Hayward Field in June, which is also the site of the NCAA uh, championship. So if he wins it uh, or, or is in advancing out of the West Regional at uh, Texas A&M this week. Maybe he can just stay in Eugene for the month of June and, and participate in the NCAA championships and then the Olympic trials. And uh, UTRGV has a, has a couple good good athletes uh, going to, to uh, Texas A&M as well that have an opportunity to earn a trip out to Eugene. Uh, Desiree Berge, uh, thrower, again, also qualified for the U.S. Olympic trials. Uh, she's seated fifth in the West Region in the discus. Uh, so, you know, opportunities for, for the WAC to uh, earn a spot to go to the NCAA championship, uh, you know, from, from the mid-major side of things, I always like the, the opportunity for our athletes to go in and earn a spot to the championship instead of it just being um, decided by a committee as, as we see in golf and, and track. If you go in and you earn that spot in the NCAA tournament or NCAA championship, you get to go and compete for your school, compete for your conference, compete for yourself. And, and um, that, you know, that's one of the really good things about how NCAA does track and field. 
Yeah, Ethan Harris, as you mentioned from GCU, already qualifying for the uh, Olympic trials. He's a uh, former D2 national champion, so he's he knows what it's about to, to uh, compete at a uh, at a very high level. So we look forward to maybe getting a few athletes to nationals coming up. Uh, men's golf, they had their regionals this past week. Chris uh, Albuquerque was the host where New Mexico State played. They finished in 12th place and uh, get a good showing from Garrison Smith. Yeah, that that Aggie team. Uh... I think they really kind of started gelling in, in about March and watching them play uh, at the WAC tournament um, in Boulder City, Nevada, Boulder Creek Golf Club earlier. Uh, they're fun to watch. And one of the things about that Aggie team that's of note, they're really young. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of freshmen and sophomores on that team, but they don't play like freshmen and sophomores. So uh, uh, Garrison Smith and Aiden Thomas, uh, uh, Joseph Robson, there's a lot of golfers there. Um, that, uh, you know, hopefully are going to be back for the Aggies and, and having an experience to play in a regional like this when you're only a freshman and sophomore only makes it so much easier for you to get back there as a junior and a senior and just knowing what that experience is like and, and having that hunger, uh, I, I think is going to bode very well for the Aggies in the future. Definitely. And uh, our individual champion at the WAC uh, tournament, the uh, individual medalist, Gabe Lison from Utah Valley University, had a chance to go back to his home state of Washington to compete in the regional there against uh, many Pac-12 opponents. And he finishes 18th overall. So a good showing by the uh, super senior Lison. Yeah, you know, it was a good opportunity for him and, and a good chance for him to kind of close out his uh, collegiate career. He's from Kirkland, uh, Washington, just on the other side of the mountains there. So, you know, fun for his family and, and fun for the whole Utah Valley, both on the men's and women's side. They had their uh, first NCA golf participants. So um, really big for those two programs. And, and uh, you know, just having that opportunity to play against some of the best golfers in, in the country and in the world. Um, it, you know, it's a great experience. You mentioned earlier in the show, Chris, about how baseball is going to look different with the four Texas schools coming in next year and Sam Houston State, uh, Stephen F. Austin, Lamar, and Abilene Christian. Men's golf is also going to look uh, quite a bit different next year. And Sam Houston State this past week qualified for nationals and uh, did it in a pretty dramatic way. Yeah, I mean, it's almost hard to believe, you know, first of all, they're playing in a regional in Stillwater, Oklahoma, they're playing at Carson Creek, it's one of the toughest golf courses, collegiate golf courses in the country, right, that's why Oklahoma State's been so great, they're performing well, Will Holcomb, he's second individually, everything's looking good, 2020-21 happens, pandemic happens, his roommate, the sixth golfer, Jack Randall, tests positive for COVID, so he's out, then due to contract tracing, Will Holcomb has to come out. They're down to four golfers here in the last round. And I, I, I don't think they could have played any better. I mean, they had three 73s. They had a 76. They finished fourth at 11 over. And, and they're going to be in Scottsdale uh, here in the next couple of weeks at the NCAA championship. And, um, you know, tremendous story for it's been a great month for Sam Houston State Athletics. It sure has. Uh, you know, in top in, in talking with football and and women's golf, they also had a golfer, Hannah Alberta or Alberto, um, who won't unfortunately be playing in the WAC next year, but she qualified as an individual at the NCAA championship after the uh, Baton Rouge regional was rained out a few weeks ago. So very strong golf coming in with those same Houston programs and um it's an exciting time around the whack hectic but exciting 
pretty amazing. Yeah, that story by the Bearcats that they lose yeah. their number one golfer, who you said was number two, and uh, and they still managed to make it to national. So congratulations to Sam Houston State. We're going to talk some more baseball when we come back. We're going to have Michael Potter, who's going to be calling most of the tournament for us this week, coming up next on the WAC Podcast. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner and Chris Thompson with you today. We're now joined by Michael Potter, who's going to be calling play-by-play and uh, be an analyst a little bit to uh, this upcoming week at Ho Ho Cam Stadium in Mesa, Arizona, for the WAC baseball tournament. Michael, welcome back to the show. Great to be here. Excited for the tournament as always. Michael, first question Ho Ho Cam has been the, the home of the WAC tournament for many years. I'm going to put you on the spot to start things here. How many years have you been calling the WAC baseball tournament? Gosh, I think uh, my first year was, I think I'm at year, is this seven? I think year seven, I think, or, or possibly eight. I, I honestly don't know off the top of my head. It's been a ho-ho cam. And then, of course, we did it out at the Cubs' new stadium for a year or so while they were refurbishing ho-ho cam. But, uh, yeah, it's been a while. Been a lot of fun, too. A lot of great tournaments and surprises, upsets, and some, some really fun games. Yeah, so we've seen a lot of really, really good players in the WAC tournament. Uh, I know there's a couple big leaguers already. Who are some of the top players you remember seeing play in the WAC tournament? Well, I mean, Reese Hoskins obviously is the one that jumps out to to your mind uh, right away. I mean, that guy just remember him bouncing balls off the uh, off the outfield walls out there. Who's a doubles and a home run machine in that one? And that was the year, you know, they were dominant Sac State and Reggie Christians, and they came in. I believe they lost their first game, and it kind of reset them a little bit, and they just plowed through uh, the rest of the field. And then, of course, you know, I mean, one on a, on a not great scale, uh, Jake Wong, you know, playing in the in the majors or in in, the, in professional with the Giants. Um, had a little arm surgery, but going to be back and ready. He pitched a great game in uh, GSU's first chance to be in the tournament in 2018. But Jake Prezina pitched a little bit better game and beat the Lopes, and they went two and out that year. So that's a fun thing about it. You'll see some major leaguers. You'll see some guys that are that are just um, great ball players. Johnson, the center fielder for New Mexico State, was fantastic. Went to um, you know Washington, I believe. So you'll see a lot of great players, but. You'll also get a lot of surprises and the things you don't expect will happen this weekend. Yeah, Daniel Johnson was definitely a great outfielder for New Mexico State. Michael, with uh, six teams in this year, let's kind of go team by team, uh, taking a look or a little Reader's Digest version, I guess, uh, of each team. Uh, Let's start with the team you probably know best, the Grand Canyon. You obviously live in Phoenix, call a lot of their games, uh, number one seed. Uh, pretty hot coming into the tournament, coming off a series where they played California Baptist and come away with a co-regular season championship. But I got to imagine GCU going in as the favorite. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you, you look at it and the two top teams in the league the whole year were GCU and California Baptist. Of course, the Lancers unable to uh, be a part of the tournament. But I mean, but real quick, before we see anything else about the teams in it, you look at the Lancers. I mean, technically three years, but really two years. And they've been co-champs like two years in a row, their first two years in. Yeah. And at GCU, you know, they got two 
during transition. Lancers already have two in really only two years. So it would be a very different tournament were they able to play. But um, yeah, I called the, that series and that really had a playoff feel to it, that series. Pitching, defense, two out base hits. The managers were managing for one run in the first inning. I mean, Adcock pulled his starter in a third of an inning, you know? Um, so they were really playing for the the win there. I think that helps GCU. Um, you know, they were in the tops in batting average in ERA. They've got a great team top to bottom. They've got great starters, and that's really key. They're in a good spot here because you win three and you're in, and they've got three really solid starters. So I would I would say they're the favorite, but um, there's a few other teams I think have a shot at it as well by far, for, for sure. Well, I think one of those other teams coming in and and – maybe there's not a better whack tournament team out there and, and head coach and Reggie Christensen, Sacramento state. If you're a coach in the whack tournament and you see Reggie Christensen across the, the field in that other dugout, what, what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, you know, he's a good coach and you know, he's got his guys going and uh, you know, he'll, he'll make some decisions during games and during tournaments that sometimes we're, we're scratching our head going, what is he doing? And it works out because he knows his team so well. And he, he does something too. He does a great job of managing the game he's in while also keeping kind of one eye on the next game as well, which is really hard to do. Um, I think that's the big thing when some of these teams get in for the first time. Um, they're good managers and they're good teams, but it's hard not to look ahead. And it's also hard to focus too much on exactly what's going on right in front of you. Reggie does a great job. I mean, Chris, the, the great example was what, 2019, the last one we had. They lose their first game and come roaring back where they went six in a row, seven in a row and beat GCU twice to get that win, both one-run games. I mean, uh, you can never count those guys out. I would, I would imagine Reggie would say this isn't the strongest team he's ever had coming into this tournament, but he's got a like his chances. I mean, they were dominant in a couple of wins up there at home to finish out the season against uh, UTRGV. Well, and just looking at Sac State a little bit more before we move on, I mean, there's a lot of experience there in Matt Smith and Dawson Bacho and, and Torres and Scott Randall on the mound that there's a lot of players in there that have had success in the tournament that were part of that team that beat six, beat the five other teams and won six in a row. And by the way, also got a, a win in the NCAA tournament a week later against a very talented UC Santa Barbara team. Yeah, you make a great point. It's funny. Um, I was actually uh, calling that game for, for, for the Lopes up there on audio only. And about halfway through the first night, I looked over at Josh Hauser and I said, seems like these guys have been here for like 12 years. <laughs> like, these are the same guys. How long has Bacho been here? But uh, it, part of it's that COVID year, right? But um, the experience he has on this team even if you look at them and go, ah, on paper, maybe they're not as good as some of the other teams. Man, experience-wise, you cannot count those guys out. I mean, you gotta you gotta get up on them and kind of put the uh, proverbial, you know, cut off the head of the snake with that team. If you give them any sign of life, they'll they'll come roaring back. Yeah, Matt Smith uh, winds up leading the wacky and batting average at three ninety nine. Seems like he's been there a long time. And the other thing, I mean, I got to mention about Sac State before we move on to the next team, Michael, is uh, Keith Torres, as Chris mentioned, is still on the team as well. And, of course, Reggie Christensen, you mentioned, did a great job uh, coaching, managing in the last tournament. But let's not forget the good luck plant. If that plant shows up, I, I think, you know, you know how sometimes people steal mascots and stuff. If that plant shows up and they get on a roll, that might be the key to the tournament, getting rid of that plant somehow. The plant was not looking nearly as good as Sac State did on that Sunday, but it hung on just long enough to get them the win. Uh, 
let's talk about our, our third seed that uh, Sac State obviously played this last week. And U, UT Rio Grande Valley, uh, Derek Matlock bringing his team in. And it's still a program. I was working on the tournament notes, and, and I noticed UTPA, UTRGV has never won a tournament game, which is kind of hard to uh, imagine with – with such a uh, talented team, and there's a lot of veterans on that program. So what do you expect out of the Vaqueros this week down in Mesa? Yeah, that that's really a surprise because you're right. They've come in <clears throat> um, uh, with some really good teams. I mean, came in as a number one seed uh, at least once uh, when they were UTPA. Um, I mean, Matlock's just such a good coach, and he puts such a good team together. Honestly, this year, there's been a few teams that has been hard to figure out. Y- you see him play a couple games, you go, oh, that's the team we expect him to be. And then you see him play a couple games, you go, what are they doing? You know, and I think that's got to be frustrating for the coaches too. that consistency. Um, But they are definitely a team, you know, if if they can catch it at the right time and win through, you know, get going three or four games uh, in a row, because you look at their stats and they're up there. I know they split with GCU very early in the season and they were picked to be top of the conference. Um, I think it's really just going to come down to if they can get hot but, you know, Matlock, definitely a good coach as well. Um, this one's tough to handicap because, quite honestly, after you get through GCU because they've had a great year and they've got really no holes in their team, it doesn't look like, and you get past the magic of Sacramento State, I honestly have no idea what the other teams are going to bring to this tournament. <laughs> but I don't count any of them out, really. Well, the four seed this year is New Mexico State. and. Uh, you know, probably one of the most unfortunate things about not having the tournament last year, of course, all the seniors that, that missed out on that, but that we missed out on Nick Gonzalez uh, getting a chance to see him in the WAC tournament for the last time. And he, of course, was a top five pick, went to the Pittsburgh Pirates and is one of their top uh, young players in the organization. Brand new team this year with New Mexico State, a lot of new faces. Coach Kirby has, has not been in the WAC tournament just yet, and they come in as, as the four seed, but you know, when you see New Mexico State, that's always a team you got to take pretty seriously as a contender for the WAC tournament championship. Yeah, you, you do. Um, I think they're another one. The consistency hasn't been there. Um, it's been tough for them to put complete games together of that consistency, you know. Um, and against the better teams, they've struggled with that, you know, against the Lopes, against uh, the Lancers. They've really struggled against those top teams. Um, I don't necessarily expect them to have much trouble on Wednesday you know to, to move through and then it's kind of really comes down to that starting pitcher you know and and you know we'll talk to the coaching staff later on this week to find out kind of what their plans are do they hold somebody out do they do they save an ace for like that matchup against the number one seed do you, do you roll that dice you know do you not but yeah when, when I look at the numbers for them when I look at them and watch them this year it's just that consistency they have those flashes where you go man if they put this together they got a nice team um, the other thing is you mentioned Coach Kirby first time in. These are all good coaches, like I said, but it is different coaching in the tournament. It is different, you know, um, in that capacity. I do think, though, um, New Mexico State, Seattle U, Utah Valley, in some ways they can kind of play with a little house money here, and they can kind of say, hey, guys, let's go in there and shock the world. We we got nothing to lose here. These other teams, you know, especially the Lopes and, and maybe Sac State, you know, they kind of probably are coming in feeling like, hey, this is our tournament. You know, we should win this thing. We should be in the championship against each other. Where like New Mexico State can say, hey guys, let's just let it all, 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 all hang out there. And if we have, a, if we have a couple of good days in a row, we can be right there. Yeah, talking about the Aggies' first round opponent, uh, Seattle U. They win three out of four on the weekend against Utah Valley. And and uh, you look at some of the numbers that they put up. Maybe. Um, 
they weren't the best team most of the season, but over the last couple of weeks, if you look at, at how they played and how they've been hitting the ball and pitching, um, they, they might be a, a tough matchup for the Aggies on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, they, they are of the two teams that, you know, played themselves into the tournament the last time. What you like about that is, you know, we came into that last weekend series where Seattle U, Utah Valley, and Northern Colorado, they all had it right in front of them, right? You know, if, if you win the series, you're in, basically. Um, UNC didn't. They're, they're out. Utah Valley, they had to win a final game. They got that final game, you know, to get themselves in, to guarantee that they were going to be in there. But Seattle, you just came in and took care of business. Those first three games, there's no doubt. You know, they clinched their spot early. And so if you're Donnie Harrell, um, you like that about your team. And you say, hey, guys, why not us? It took us a while to get going, but it doesn't really matter at this stage, right? It doesn't matter where we're at. And one thing I've always liked about Donnie's teams, they always play with a little swag, you know. They play with a little, a little edge. Um, and he coaches that way with those guys, kind of a little chip on their shoulder. Hey, we're up here in the Pacific Northwest. Nobody gives us much credit. Let's go in there and show them. And um, they haven't really had that consistently this year just because the wins haven't been there. Three out of four, you're final to play yourself in. I mean, maybe that swag's back a little bit. Maybe that edge is back a little bit. And that, I would imagine that's kind of what Donnie's telling the team is, hey, guys, let's go in there and shock the world. We got nothing to lose. And, and I think with Seattle U, one of the things to come up is don't forget that uh, early on in the year, they got to win at Oregon. And Oregon's one of the top teams, not just in the Pac-12 this year, but but in the country. So this is a team that can compete uh, on the diamond. So you can't can't look past them. Yeah, they're the one the one of those of those lower seeds that I think would maybe scare. Like if they come in and get a win on Wednesday, might be a little scary to either GCU or Sacramento State coming in. You know, the question with all these lower seeds, as you mentioned, Chris, they have that that kind of that one game potential. Pitcher pitches great, gets some key hits, field the ball well. Anybody can beat anybody, pretty much, in baseball. We know how that goes, right? Winning a series or winning two or three in a row. I mean, it's going to be a tall order for them. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've always liked the way they kind of they kind of play a little chippy, little edge, little little kind of like, oh, yeah, you think you can beat us? We'll show you. I, I always like teams that play with attitude, and he's usually got them playing with pretty good attitude. And Michael, uh, and that, Coach Harrell has, has had a lot of experience in the tournament as well and, and won a lot of games in the tournament. Utah Valley, the sixth seed, brand new coach coach carter comes in uh coach madsen uh, steps down and so a, a mid-season or, or a late season coaching change which you don't see very often in college baseball but they do get into the tournament and again it's it's kind of like this playing with house money uh, when, when you're down at the uh, five or six seat yeah i think so 100 percent. i mean for some of these guys it's their last chance to to play they extended the the season in that last game and that was really a do or die right you got to win or else you're not going to get had to get some help too and they got that help from dixie state the in-state uh rival helped them out there but um yeah i i you know utah valley's the one if on paper you look at it you go man i just don't really see a path for them <laughs> in this thing you know just because the way the season's gone but you mentioned coach carter and i know we're talking a lot about coaching coaching is so important in this tournament and carter's been there you know i mean he's won this tournament you know been on staff i mean he he knows what he's doing here and um it'll just be kind of how these guys respond you know i i i wasn't up there when the lopes played them i've watched a few of their games and they're another one of those teams there's moments where they look like the best team on the field, you know, and you go, wow, this is great. And there's moments they kick the ball around and you go, what are these guys doing? So, um, you know, with the coaching change, with Carter kind of implementing that kind of even keel type of uh, type of way of going about their business. I I'm it's weird. I'm very interested in these first games on Wednesday. I honestly have no idea how these games are going to are the are going to turn out. And I would not be shocked if Seattle and Utah Valley made these really, really exciting games on Wednesday. 
Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it, it's going to be a fun week down in Mesa. And, and as the Phoenix guy here, you're going to keep the temperatures maybe in the low 90s for us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We're going okay, to get the wind perfect. down, you know, for the pitchers, it'll be blowing in when they're throwing, it'll be blowing out when their teams are hitting. Yeah. We got it all. We got it all ready. Great. Just, just <laughs> great hosts there in the Valley of the Sun. Perfect. Perfect. And I was pretty excited. We had uh, one of our many, many Zoom calls that we've had over uh, the past year uh, this morning. And uh, Mark Gallo, who retired from the city of Mesa, is coming back to help out with the tournament. So uh, nice. one last uh, hurrah or maybe, you know, maybe some more in the future. But I, I was happy people uh, listening to the program might not uh, recognize that name. But a guy like Mark Gallo does a lot to uh, help out and uh, get this tournament to what it's been, especially the last decade. Yeah, getting the crew back together. I, you know, you mentioned it. I've, I've been doing this, I don't know, seven, eight years. I can't remember exactly how many, but it's been a blast. And I, I you know, I, I wish more people would come out to the games because it's some good baseball too, and it's a great setting. But the city of Mesa, you know, just makes it makes it unbelievable. I'm sure, you know, even if there's ever talk about, oh, should we maybe move the tournament or somewhere else? They just do such a great job. The fields, the facilities are so unbelievable. Um, it just is perfect for everybody. And and with the, you know, the ge geography, the conference and stuff, it just doesn't make any sense to go anywhere else. So, yeah, I'm excited to be back out there again. It is a little bit, you know, with the A's being the, the team there, it is a little bit of the home field advantage for Sacramento State. They see that green and that gold uh, sometimes out, the, out there. It makes them feel like a home game at some times. That is Michael Potter, who's going to be going play-by-play -play for us, joining us here on the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.